book of Mark chapter 4, we'll begin reading at verse number 26. Everybody say amen when they have it. Praise God. The Bible says, and he said, Jesus speaking, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. Let's say that last part together. He knows not how. And I want to preach to you on we know not how. We know not how. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. God, I pray that you would touch me today and help me to speak to your people. God, I pray that your words would be ordered in my mouth and that I would edify and encourage this wonderful congregation in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Jesus here is speaking in a parable. Parables were Jesus' preferred method of teaching. So much so that at one point, the book of Matthew tells us that he would not teach without a parable. And a parable is a story that takes a natural truth to explain a spiritual truth. And so Jesus often addressed natural things in order to explain spiritual things. And so here Jesus is doing that. A parable, just for clarity's sake, is not a fable. Uh, a fable, uh, if you've ever read Aesop's fables, for example, fables always have animals. Parables, uh, a fable will have like talking animals. <laughs> okay? A parable is not a fable. A parable is not a fairy tale. Fairy tales are magical and fabricated. And uh, parables are not that either. Parables were always true and grounded in everyday life, albeit they were not autobiographical. What made them true wasn't that they took place once upon a time, but that they took place all the time. Parables happen every day. Your life and my life will one day be a parable. Praise God. You will see the parables of Jesus one day be true in your life. Parables were always about people even when the objects that were the focus of the parable were not people. Sheep were people, coins were people, vineyards were people, fruit was people, soil was people. The parables were always about people. Amen. God bless Brother Will. Amen. So Jesus always taught about parables, through parables. They were his preferred method of teaching. Nobody addressed the human experience in all its complexities like Jesus. This is one reason why people from all walks of life came to hear him teach. This was in a time when segregation was considered very prudent and uh, widely accepted. People did not mingle, uh, by not so much by color, but back then they didn't mingle sometimes by gender. Uh, they definitely did not always mingle by religion. And uh, they thought it very prudent and wise to just everybody stay in their own corner. But if you wanted to come hear Jesus teach through his famous parables, you were you going to have to mix with people you normally would not mix with. Amen. And not a whole lot has changed today. 
If you want to really hear from Jesus, if you really want to hear from God, amen, you're going to have to go to a church, amen, where there's just every kind of person imaginable. Can you say amen? In the parable this morning, we are reading, uh, Jesus takes something that everyone, at least in those days, and perhaps many of us here today, knew a lot about, or were very familiar with, and that was putting seeds in the ground. They were an agrarian society, so they knew what it was to plant. They knew what it was to farm. And some of us have probably done some planting and farming in our lifetime. And uh, so Jesus takes this concept of planting and getting a plant back, and he uses it as his illustration. But what Jesus points out is that there is this thing, planting, or putting seeds in and getting plants in return, that we know something about, And that we know nothing about. What we know is that you take a seed and you put it in the ground and you never see it for who knows how long. And then all of a sudden there comes out some sort of a plant. We know what we're doing. But we don't know the process in between. We don't know. The period in which the seed transforms into a plant is not a process we get to see. We know not what is happening beneath the surface. What Jesus is trying to call our attention to is the idea that there comes times in life when things enter a non-observable and hidden state. And whatever is going on beneath the surface is not going to be affected by us. We can wake up night and day and check to see if things have changed, but that won't change anything. Everything is out of our hands. Either we trust in God or we don't trust in God. But what's going on is not in our control. It's not even in our vision. It's not even in our scope. We can't even see it. It is now up to God to do the rest. And this morning, God wants to remind us that just because we can't see anything changing, it doesn't mean nothing's changing. And just because we don't know what's going on in the dark places doesn't mean nothing's going on. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We get so discouraged when we can't see things at the moment and at the time we want to see them happen. Amen. We get so discouraged when we're praying and waiting and hoping on change, but change is not taking place. We get so discouraged when something's going on in the background. Amen. And we, we, we just we want it to come to the forefront, but it's not happening. Amen. But God wants to remind us that in the process, amen, we, we, we just don't have access Amen. To to what's going on in the background. Amen. But we have to trust him. We have to believe that he's doing something. We have to believe that he's working it out. And we have to believe he's going to work it out for our good. Amen. Oddly enough, one of the things that God keeps reminding us about in scripture is how much we don't know. How much we don't know. James 4 and 14 says that we don't know what shall be on the morrow. Amen. You might know algebra, trigonometry, calculus. You might know, amen, hallelujah, biology. You might, be, you might be a spelling bee champion and know how to spell any word in the English dictionary. But what you don't know, it's what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You are not smart enough to know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can calculate, you can tabulate, you can speculate, but you still don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Hallelujah. And from the look of it, most of you seem to be at peace. I'm sure some of us are a little worried about 
this, that, or the other. But most of you probably didn't wake up today, amen, thinking, man, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. This is a horrible day. Amen. Hallelujah. If we can be at peace about not knowing, amen, tomorrow, we can be at peace about not knowing a whole lot of other things too. Praise God. You know, we live in a society where knowledge, amen, there's such a high premium on knowledge. And I'm not glorifying ignorance by any means. But we feel that the more we know, the better off we are. That's not always true. That's not always true. There's just, there's just times where you ought to be glad that seed is in the ground and you can't see what's going on. There ought to be times you're glad. Matthew 24 and 36 says, we know not the hour when Jesus is going to return. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. And that's why we live every day like Jesus is going to come back. Can you say amen? In Job 38 and 40, God delivers a string of 60 questions to Job. And if you're not familiar with the story of Job, it's the story of a good righteous man who the devil buffets horribly. Plagues his body with disease after disease. He, is, he, lo- he loses all of his children. He loses just about everything. And I don't think you could go any lower than Job. Amen. I've heard some people talk about Job's turkey, but I don't know what happened to him. But you don't get much lower than Job. And at the very end of his trial, Job is being accused by his friends of being self-righteous. And ungrateful. And his friends keep telling him, the reason all this is happening to you is because you're not praising God enough. It's because you're a bad person. It's because perhaps you didn't do this, that, or the other. And uh, Job just gets irritated with it all. And he kind of just won't even talk back to his friends at a certain point. But suddenly there stands up a young man. And the young man uh, is touched by the Spirit of God. And the young man begins to speak on the behalf of God. And it's, it's so powerful that the scripture doesn't even let us know when the young man stops speaking and God takes over. But at some point, there is this surreal moment. It is, it is, it is incredible. It is magnificent. It is phenomenal. Where God just moves on Job. And he asks him 60 questions. And each question begins with words like, Who? Where, when, have you, can you, do you know? All of which Job could not answer. And Job is baffled by all the questions that God is asking him. He doesn't know how to answer. And yet God says something rather peculiar to him. He says, Job, stand up because I want an answer. But God is asking Job questions he has no answers for. And in Job 42, I'm paraphrasing, Job opens up his mouth and he says, No one can oppose you because you have the power to do what you want. You asked why I talk so much when I know so little. I have talked about things that are far beyond my understanding. You told me to listen and to answer your questions. I heard about you from others, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. In essence, Job tells God, You want an answer? Here's my answer. I can't see and I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. But what I do know is that I don't know hardly anything. And so Job gets some peace. 
And he recognizes, I'm in the worst trial of all of my life, but I don't need to know everything. There's all kinds of stuff working in the background, but I don't need to know. Amen. There's all kinds of situations I have no answers for, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't know how things are going to turn out, and that's okay. I don't know if God will ever give me back everything that's been taken, but that's okay. I don't know where I'm going to be at tomorrow, but that's okay. I don't know why this happened to me, but that's okay. I don't know how I got into this situation, but that's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't have to... I don't have to come up with an answer. I don't have to make up a story. I don't need to tell myself, well, maybe it was because of this and that happened. I don't need to come up with possible clauses. I don't, I don't need to do any of that. It's okay for me not to know because I can't figure God out. I can't figure God out. And so I want to talk to you just for a few more moments this morning on what should I do when I can't see what God is doing. Number one, keep sowing even if it's raining. Keep sowing even if it's raining. Ecclesiastes 11 and 4 says, He that observes the wind will not sow, and he that regards the clouds will not reap. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not which shall prosper, either this or that or whether they both shall be alike good. And what Solomon here is saying in Ecclesiastes is he's saying no matter what is going on, don't look at the weather. Keep doing what's right. No matter what is going on, you just keep sowing and sowing and sowing. Amen. When you come to church, you're sowing. Amen. Your church's atten- your church attendance is a manner of sowing. When you give, amen, you're sowing. Hallelujah. Amen. When you read your Bible, you are sowing. Amen. When you when you take time out to be with your wife and your husband and your children, you are sowing. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. When you just keep doing what's right, you are sowing. Amen. And when you don't know what's waiting for you on tomorrow. Amen. Do what you do know. Amen. Hallelujah. And I know that I got to live for God. And I know that I got to pray. And I know that I have to fast. And I know I got to read my Bible. And I know I got to give. And I know I got to be faithful. Come on. Amen. Uh, the other day I was, I was feeling, man, I was feeling my own little clouds. Amen. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, you know, clouds could talk. Clouds got a way of talking. And you know what clouds will tell you? Stay in your room. Don't call nobody. Just hunker down and just wait for the clouds to pass. And Solomon says, don't pay no attention to the weather. God didn't call you to be the weatherman. Because sometimes you look out, you see clouds, and there ain't no rain coming. And you missed a perfectly good day to be outside. I'm talking to somebody. Sometimes the clouds will tell you, don't call nobody, don't talk to nobody, just stay in your corner. Don't do what the clouds say. Sometimes the clouds will tell you, you're too tired, you're too fatigued, it's too far, you can't make it. Amen, you'll just go next week. Don't, do, don't listen to the clouds. Sometimes the clouds will tell you, everything's going to go, that little leg pain you got, your, your leg's going to fall off tomorrow morning, praise God. Don't listen to the clouds. Amen, hallelujah. Don't, don't listen to the clouds. Get up and shake that leg and walk on it, hallelujah. But don't listen to the clouds. Amen, the, amen. keep doing what's right, amen, hallelujah. Keep showing up to the house of God. Keep praying in the mornings. Keep spending time with your family. Keep loving God. Keep sowing. 
But here's the powerful thing. Solomon says, because nobody sows in one direction, or at least you shouldn't. You should be sowing in several different directions. You should be sowing into several different areas of your life. And he says this. He says, sow to everything. He says, because you never know which one is going to bring forth its harvest. You sow, you sow into your family. And one day you're at the very bottom of the barrel. And your wife, sometimes even your kids, do something, say something that picks you up. You sow into your church, into your, into your faith community. And all of a sudden, amen, one day you come in the molly grubs, head hanging low. You come to church, someone slaps you on the back softly, praise God, <laughs> and gives you a word of encouragement. There's a service that changes your life. There's a worship song that impacts your soul. Amen. Because why? Because you sowed. And God says, wherever you sow, you get to reap. Hallelujah. Wherever you sow, sometimes, amen, you're sowing, you're giving, you're being faithful in your, in your finances. Amen. You're broke as a joke. So broke you can't spend the night. Praise God. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, something you sowed a long time ago comes back to you. Can you say amen? So keep sowing, amen, into all the areas of your life. Sow into your health. Sow into your family. Sow into your finances. Sow into your mental health. Amen. Sow into your emotions. Praise God. Sow into your church. Praise God. Sow into your marriage. Sow into your kids. And one day it's going to come back to you. Amen. More than you ever expected. Hallelujah. Amen. And let me tell you something I do know. Amen. You put one seed in the ground, you don't get a seed back. You get a tree back. You get leaves back. You get 50 fruit back. Praise God. You don't just reap what you sow, you reap more than what you sowed. Can you say amen? So keep on sowing, even if it's storming. Number two, keep asking for help. Thank you, Sister Jessica. Keep asking for help. You know the number one reason people don't ask for help? Pride. And the Bible says God resists the proud. You know, when we think of the pride that God resists, we think of some, somebody with their chest out, arms crossed, nose in the air. I got news for you. There's some real humble-looking folk that God is rejecting. You know, um, I, I, don't go, I don't go right now, but I, I used to go to the gym. I had a coach. And I didn't really go to the gym, but I had a coach. We trained at his house. And uh, I'm not bragging here. This is, this is not a humble brag. Okay? Uh, but, you know, I could, I, could, I could live several hundred pounds. You may not believe it, but I could live several hundred pounds. And, um, but, you know, you, you start getting into like two, three hundred pounds, you know, there's no going back. You know, you pick up that bar, you got to go. Like, decisions have been made. You're committed. In fact, that's what they call it. You're committed. You get under two, three hundred pounds, you're committed. And um, I had this, you know, if you ever seen somebody lift big weight, you know, they start screaming and stuff. You ever see guys lift weight? They're like, ah. I did the opposite. I got real quiet. And I just braced for the worse. And my coach pulled me aside one time. And I'm going somewhere with this because I'm talking to somebody. He said, you know what I don't like about you? He said, you suffer quietly. You got stuff going on in your head. You got stuff going on in your spirit, and you're not saying nothing. He said, man, if you feel pain, if, if, if you think you can't do say something. 
But don't just, don't just get out from under the weight and go pass out in the corner. Like, let us know you're going to pass out. Let us know you need some help. But don't just, and there, you know what? In the church, there's people that suffer just like that. They're passing out spiritually. They can't, they can't win their battles. They're not overcoming their temptations. They're struggling mentally and emotionally. And you know what they do? They get in the corner. And they don't ask for help. And you know what? At, at, at the risk of offending you, that's pride. That's pride. Because you, what you're saying is, you know what? I don't want to let anybody know just how fragile I am. I don't want to let anybody know just how fractured I am. And you know what? Quite frankly, I don't, want anybody's, I don't want anybody coming into my life. I don't want anybody to think I'm a lot further back than I thought I was forward. Amen. One man said it like this. Be strong enough to stand alone, smart enough to know when you need help, and brave enough to ask for it. Be strong enough to stand alone, smart enough to know when you need help, and brave enough to ask for it. Be strong. Don't be no chicken. Be strong. Get under it. Commit. But also be smart enough to know, you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm a little overwhelmed right now. And I'm going to pick up the phone and call somebody. And listen, let me, let me relieve you. You don't need to tell everybody your business. It's, it is perfectly acceptable to pick up the phone and say, you know what, you probably don't want to know, but I'm tripping, and I'm struggling, and I need help. Would you please pray for me right now? Would you please meet me at the church so we can pray? I promise I won't do this to you every day. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him, woe to her, woe to them that is alone when they fall. For, ha- for they have not another to help them up. Amen. The Bible says, man, two are better than one. And I feel bad for you if you fall by yourself. Man, if I'm going to fall, I'd rather fall with someone. Because maybe they're stronger than I am. And maybe I've been sowing into that friendship. And maybe they, they, maybe they feel a little bit of indebtedness to me for helping them. And they say, you know what, I got you. I know you're weak, I'm not. Why is, this, why is it important to ask for help? You know, everyone's going to get into this phase where we have no idea what's going on in the background. We're, we're in that process. Everything's in the dark. The seed's under the ground. It seems like the sun will never reach it and the water's not going deep enough. And we're afraid and we're scared. And we have to ask for help in those moments. That in-between time, you've got to ask for help. Why? Proverbs eleven fourteen says it this way. Where no counsel is, the people fall. And in the multitude of counselors... There is safety. So when I don't know what's going on and I don't know what God is doing, I reach out for help. God bless some of you. You were raised to be independent. God bless some of you. You've had a job since you were three. God bless you. But you know what? When you get in the church, things change. And God says, I know you, got, I know you think you got life all sewed up. 
I know you think you got everything together. I know you survived a few divorces. I know you raised kids on your own. I know you know how to live off top ramen and make things happen. I know you got plenty in your savings account. But guess what? In here, the rules change. And in here, you need help. And in here, I'll make you weak so that you learn how to depend on others. Because guess what? It doesn't matter how well, it doesn't matter how resilient you are. It doesn't matter how much of a survivor you are. It doesn't matter how much you have it together. Amen. You need a multitude of counselors. You need a multitude of counselors. Because as the Bible says, oh, how the mighty are fallen. The mighty fall too. The strong fall too. And so we all need someone. Last but not least. Amen. And I'm closing with this. Keep reading your Bible. Amen. Read your Bible. Amen. Read, look at your neighbor say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Hallelujah. Come on, say, say it to him again. Say, read, read your, your Bible. Bible. Amen. When you don't know what's going on, when you don't know what God is doing, read your Bible. Amen. Psalms 119, 47 through 49 says it this way. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statues. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. David said, my comfort and my affliction is that your promises give me life. He said, my comfort and my affliction is that thy word, thy word quickeneth me. That's just quick. That's King James English for saying, this is what makes me feel good. This is what gives me life when I'm down and out. Because, you know, life has a way of leaving you lifeless. Life will drain the life out of you. And David said, you know what I have found out? That if I can just get to your word, that if I can just open those pages, that if I can just meditate on that law, I'm going to get life. I'm t- I, can't, I can't tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times, amen, I've been down and out. I can't tell you how many times I've been at the bottom of the barrel, and I open up the book, and I, I man, just the other day, I can't tell you how, how bottom of the barrel I felt, amen, but I was here at the church, and I opened up the book, and I just started reading this word, and I just started reading this word, and then Brother Sandoval, I just read it till the negative thoughts went away. I just read it till the clouds went away. I just read it till the tears started flowing. I just read it until the fear disappeared. I just kept reading. I just kept reading. And guess what? By the time I was done reading, I I said, you know what? I may not know what's coming down the road, but I think tomorrow's going to be a good day. I may not know what's going to happen next week, but I think next week is going to be a good week. Amen. Amen. This word is life. This word is life. And when life drains you of life, amen, this word quickens you. And I'm just going to keep it very real with you, Keith. All of you, all of you, God bless you, I love all of you to death. But let me tell you, all of you will one day be in a trial where you are living day by day. All of you will be in a trial one day where you feel like, you know what? I'll be happy to make it to the next 20 minutes without having a nervous breakdown. I will be happy if I'm here in two hours. I will be happy if I'm in church next week. We will all get there. We will all get there. But can I tell you that if you're going day by day and you feel like you're starting over every day, start over with this right here. Start over with this right here. 
Come on, start over with this right here. Start over, because there's something so powerful about opening up this word, hallelujah, and just hearing God talk to you, and just hearing him say, I am the great I am, hallelujah, and hearing him say, I am the vine, and hearing him say, I am the door, and hearing him say, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth, and hearing him say, hallelujah, praise God, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it, hallelujah. It's so good to read these words and to hear God say that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man and righteous woman availeth much. It's so comforting to read these words and know that if you reap you shall sow. It's so comforting to open up these words and hear God say be not weary in well doing for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. It's so good to hear God say there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. It is so good to read this word and to hear God say, you are blessed with a blessing and I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. It is so blessed to read this word and to hear God say, I'll restore to you the years that the canker worm and the locusts ate up. Hallelujah. It's so good to read this word and to hear God say, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing which there's no room to contain and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. It's so blessed to read this word and open it up and hear God say, I am your healer which healeth thee of all thy diseases and all thy infirmities. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's just magnify Jesus here for a few seconds. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we praise you. God, we praise you. God, we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so I just came to let you know that your seed is still in the ground. And I just came to let you know it's dark down there. And I just came to let you know that if you go home and check on it today, nothing will have changed. At least that you can see. I just came to let you know. You know, we live in a world you know why a lot of people struggle in so many ways? Because we live in a world where there's mirrors everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we, we are so fascinated with mirrors that we even use our phone as a mirror. Right. These days, you can even buy a phone that on the back is a mirror. Right. And most people keep their screen polished so they can see themselves. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I go to restaurants and there's a couple eating, and I'm thinking that the girl is texting or, you know, answering a text, and she's looking at herself. And she's touching the screen like she's texting. But she's really making sure every hair is in place. I know people that walk conscious of the next mirror stop, if I can call it that. The next object that will reflect their image. They're, that's all they're looking for. Car windows. They love tinted windows. You, you get a better reflection from a tinted window. Mirrors in the house, full body length, small, one in the purse. I mean, we got, we got the mirror mob. Do you know the problem is with the mirror? It doesn't do a good job at reflecting gradual changes. And so you can look in the mirror and feel like nothing's changing. 
And so now you're looking in the mirror at home, nothing's changing. You're looking at the tinted windows in the car, nothing's changing. You're taking pictures of yourself, nothing's changing. But you know, you got to understand that everything worth having in life has a delayed response. Let me, let me, I'm done preaching, but let me give you a good Pentecostal pro tip. Let me give you a good living for God pro tip. Sometimes God has you so crunched in that you can only make 1% changes, very small, gradual changes. And when you are making small, gradual changes in your life, there's a huge delayed response. It's massive. I mean, there'll be days where you're just like, I don't even know if I got anywhere. I don't know if I made any, any progress at all. Because God is saying, guess what? We're just going to be doing 1% every day. You're, you're part of the one percenters. <laughs> and when you're doing 1%, that's when you've got to stay away from the mirrors. You don't even want to look at your savings account. Because, you know, you could put $20 away in your savings account and still not be rich. Yeah. And that'll frustrate you. Yeah. But the point is, I'm going to do what's right, even if it's just 1% that way. Yeah. And I'm going to do what's right that way, 1% that way. Yeah. And I'm going to do what's right that way, but just 1%. And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to keep doing it. And one day, I'm going to look back, and I'm going to be up 30%. Yeah. And I'm going to be up 50%. Yeah. And then there's something beautiful in life called compounded interest. And my 1% is now compounded. Amen. And I'm not just doing 1%. God says, you know what? I'm going to get with you. Amen. Because you're faithful in the little things. Amen. And now I'm going to make you ruler over much. And for your 1%, I'll give you 10%. And for your 10%, I'll give you 100%. And for your 100%, I'll give you a thousandfold. Amen. And I'll start working with you. Because you, you were with me. Amen. On the 1%. You were, you were with me. Amen. When you looked in the mirror, nothing was happening. You were with me when you took a thousand pictures and you looked the same. Oh, come on, let's praise Jesus right now. Hallelujah, let's all stand. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's lift our hands and just pray right now. I feel, I feel the spirit of encouragement. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, I praise God, I praise you, Jesus. Come on, God is talking to us. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you pray for the person next to you? We don't have a lot of room here to pray, but we can all pray together as a church. Hallelujah. Pray for the person next to you. They might be discouraged this morning. They might be stuck in the process thinking nothing's going to change. Something's changing. Something is happening. But between now and then, 
Just keep sowing. Between now and then, stop and ask for some help. Between now and then, read your word. Between now and then, keep taking one step forward. Progress will be made. Blessings will be poured out. Strength will be given. Health will come back. Come on. <laughs>